few weeks ago, I uh, talked about, it was called Lord Commander, um, and it was about authority and submitting to authority, right? Um, and this message isn't necessarily a part two to that. It's maybe like an evolution of it. Um, so you don't necessarily have to have heard that message. But I will say that what I said uh, two Sundays ago was that um, when the Lord spoke and he said, let there be light, he didn't say it with authority or he didn't say it as an extension of authority. He said it as authority. Right? Sometimes we, we, we look at God and we think like, oh, you know, uh, he used authority in that moment or he took up authority in that moment. And the, 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 the truth is a little deeper than that. He is authority. And when you are under that authority, you get authority, right? And so that's kind of like what we talked about last time. And we came to the realization that when God spoke and created the world, he took a step back and he said, this is good, right? So that word to me, when I think of, you know, nature and, and all the natural stuff that, how, how beautiful it must have been, right? And we were talking about the centurion and all of that. And um, one of the things I said was that authority creates beauty. Um, and so today's message, uh, again, it's not necessarily a part two, but it's kind of like an evolution of it. Um, today is called Authority is Beauty. So if you have your phones uh, for your Bibles, or if you have your actual physical Bibles, go ahead and open up to Joel chapter 3, verse 10. That's where we'll be there just in a moment. Um, so just like hold that spot. Just so you know, uh, your pastors send love. Um, they miss you guys, and they're currently driving to Sacramento or already there, and they're going to fly down tonight. They were at the prophetic conference getting rocked. Um, I, I talked to Mario a little bit, and, and he just says, uh, he just said that Chris Valentin laid his hands on him and that he was, like, gone, you know. So uh, next Sunday, don't miss. Tell the people that aren't here today to please come because the whole reason we're doing this is uh, to kind of, like, honor uh, other, like, you know, personnel in the body of Christ. And they're going to come back, right, because you, you, you receive and then you give, right? So they're going to come and impart on Sunday. So come, we're going to worship, we're going to have the headlines, tithes and offerings, and then they're just going to go ahead and go beast mode on us, okay? So look around the room, look around the room, and smile, and then see who's not here, not to call them out or judge them, you can judge them quietly in your heart, but invite them to the service next Sunday, <laughs> okay? Um, so today is called Authority is Beauty, and again, when we submit ourselves to God's authority, we get authority. But unlike last time that I spoke to you guys, that authority that you get is uh, unto something. It has purpose. You don't just get authority just, you know, so you can polish it up and put that thing in your trophy case. You get authority for a reason, with a purpose. Um, there's this cool peculiar thing in, uh, in Jewish culture, you may have heard of it, the Christians adopted it, is that they say that when you go to work, that's like working for God. Right? If you've been in uh, Christendom for a long time, they say when you go to work, you know, pretend like you don't work for your boss, you work for the Lord. Right? So in Jewish custom, when you go to work uh, Monday through Friday or whenever it was that they worked, I wasn't there, um, but when they worked, it was worship unto God. So they treated their daily job, their like, daily living where they got money and like, fruit and all that stuff, they, they, they treated that as worship to the Lord. 
And what happens when we worship God? Well, in the book of Psalms, it says that God inhabits the praises of his people, right? So when you worship God, God comes and he makes his home there. Does that make sense? So when you worship God as uh, in your job, in your daily life, and what you do, God's presence fills the environment. Now, it might not be like here, right, where you get the goosebumps and people fall on the floor and people are crying and they have ugly worship face. But nonetheless, the Lord is there. Amen? So wherever we go, we change the atmosphere, right? Remember we had our first conference and we talked about changing the culture and changing the atmosphere wherever we go. The question remains is, what do you do on the daily? And what has God put in your hands so that you can release his beauty into the atmosphere or into the environment. Amen? So that's the question. So what has God placed in your hands that can release his beauty? And in this instance, I'm saying that authority creates beauty, right? So let's go to Joel chapter 3, verse 10, and let's go ahead and read it. You should have it. It'll be on the screens. And so it says, uh, I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, okay, it's on the TV. Let the weak say, I am strong. So, when we read this, and I'm going somewhere with this, because I know maybe it doesn't like fully go with like what, what I'm talking about or, or the little setup that I've given you, but it'll make sense in, in a little bit. In, in Ephesians, Paul says that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, right? You, you, you see believers uh, out there sometimes like fighting with other believers or fighting with non-believers and like, you know, judging people or like judging the system and criticizing this and criticizing that. But Paul actually says that that's not our fight. Our fight is actually against the principalities of the air, the spiritual stuff, the stuff that's in the environment, the stuff that's actually influencing the systems and the culture of the world. But we have a better reality. We have a better system. Amen? And so our battle isn't spiritual, but where I'm going with this is that physical obedience releases spiritual breakthrough. Physical obedience, so what you do in the physical, releases spiritual breakthrough in the kingdom of heaven. When you pray, the Holy Spirit moves. When you tithe, the windows of heaven are open. When you accept the Lord and you get baptized, the old man is dead and you are born again. No, no, no ifs, no buts, no nothing. You are born again because of the of physical obedience, the physical act. And so when you read this verse, I want you to notice that it says, beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears, let the weak say, I am strong. So the command comes first, and then comes the revelation. So your obedience is, okay, Lord, you said beat my plowshare into a sword and my pruning hook into a spear. Why am I doing this, God? Let the weak say, I am strong. So first, he doesn't, he doesn't flip it. He doesn't say, like, hey, let the weak say I am strong. You know, 
because you got to think about it. Plowshares and pruning hooks are tools of agriculture. They're tools for farming. A plowshare is to uh, put that line in the dirt where you put the seed, and the pruning hook helps you to pull the, the fruit or the vegetables and all that stuff, right? So the Lord is saying, take that, what's in your hand, and make it a sword, and make it a spear. And then he says, let the weak say, I am strong. So he's asking you for your obedience first, and then comes the revelation. So that's what I mean. Physical obedience attracts spiritual breakthrough. It might not make sense to tithe. It might not make sense to be like, well, you know, we're going to trust God first. We're going to pray first. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna seek, you know, the Lord first before we do anything else. That might not make sense in the natural. But God is saying if you do that first, if you obey, then spiritual breakthrough happens. It's supposed to happen. When God said, let there be light, there was light. So when God says, you know, do these things, make it into a sword, make it into a spear, he says, let the weak say I'm strong. He's saying, you're not just a farmer. You're not just a person that, you know, obviously in those times, that's the occupation that, that most people had. But now, whatever your occupation is, you know, I work in an office. If you work with kids, uh, if you... Um, are a masseuse, if you're a security guard, if you're a teacher, if you're a construction worker, if you're a firefighter, if you're a stay-at-home mom, if you're a designer, an, an illustrator, a musician, God is telling you that whatever you have in your hand, it's not just your occupation, but it's actually a weapon. And he's saying that is a sword and that is a spear. And so what he's saying there with saying, let the weak say I am strong, is he saying, if you'll take what's in your hand and you'll humble yourself and you'll say, Lord, I have need of you, he'll actually take you higher to influence the principalities and the spiritual atmospheres that are above you. So when you go to work or when you go to school, you can change things by doing things intentional or by doing things on purpose. Right? Because, again, I said purpose uh, the authority has a purpose, and it's, it's this, is that we would all live beautiful lives. That we would live free. Mario last weekend said, right, we need to stand in the truth. And the truth will, sh will set you free. So we are free to live beautiful lives. We are free to live kingdom lives. And, and it's cool because it's kind of like nobody's really watching, Right? When you, when, when, when you do these things sometimes, when you're like working, you think, oh, I'm just working for the man and I got to do this and I got to do that. But God's there and he's watching. The angels are there. They're watching. All of heaven is actually watching. And if you treat what you do on the daily as worship, you will change the atmosphere. You will change the environment that you live in. And when you do that, the principalities that are there that are occupying that area, they have to leave. And you usher in the kingdom of heaven. It's what Adam and Eve were supposed to do when they were put on the garden. They were put there to advance the garden. Now Jesus comes and it starts all over again. Now he says, now you go. To me, like, this is, um, this is so cool, man, because it, it, it says that I'm not a victim in any circumstance. I'm not a victim. It says that 
you know, when I read this verse, I think of, I think, you know, I might not be having a good day, but I can stand up because God said, let there be light. Because God said, you know what, son, you might not feel all that great today, but just say I am strong. How, Lord? Why? God, I don't feel strong. Truth is not a feeling. So when God says something, it actually comes with the grace for it to be completed. So when he comes to you and you feel weak, he's there. All you just need to say is, Lord, I am strong. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a like a, it's not like an egotistical thing. It's not a like a boasting thing. It's actually identifying my need of God. And that's what we need. We need his breath when it comes in and it says, son, just say I am strong. And when we say what the Father is saying, when you say what God is saying, you release the same breath that was released in the beginning. You release it wherever you are. The same breath that came out of his mouth and said, let there be light, is the same thing that is released when you speak what he's saying. So maybe you don't feel worthy. Maybe you don't feel like, Lord, I'm not making a difference where I'm at. I'm not doing anything really, God. But if you submit to his authority and you say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this process. And then you read what he says. He actually comes and he challenges, challenges you. And he says, don't stay in your defeated state because you're not a victim. Say, I am strong. That's a father right there. And that's what's missing in our society. Fathers. To come to their kids and say, hey, son, stop that. <laughs> I know that right now you don't feel good or you fell or whatever. Stop it. Say, I am strong. Right? Because the mother normally is what? Like comforts and is the emotional health. But the father comes in like with like the logical mindset. With kind of like that strength and that backing. Still with love, of course. But it's that, hey, no, get up, brush it off, and go try again. And that's a father. That's God. And so there we find our identity when he speaks. And to me, um, when I was preparing for this message, it hit me. And, um, you know, Dini got up here and announced uh, the beach cleanup. And, you know, Dini and her team aren't going to just clean up a beach. They're going to change a city. Now, we're either going to end up in Long Beach or Carson. Hopefully Long Beach. <laughs> and so when they go to clean up the beach, they're not just picking up trash off the floor. They're changing an environment. They're changing an atmosphere. They're changing the world. They're making an impact in the spiritual realm. Belinda's team, they're not just looking for property for us to go all willy-nilly on Sundays and have service. She's looking for a place where God will meet man. Think about that for a second. I don't know if you thought about this, Belinda or, or Dini, but like when you guys go look at buildings, you're looking at a building where God is going to touch people, where God's presence is going to come down and he's going to come and tell people that maybe feel defeated, that maybe society has forgotten that, people that feel like they're, they're lost in drugs or prostitution or, or they've come out of some like uh, hard place in life, and God's going to come and tell them, be strong. Yeah. 
you guys are looking for a place for God to touch people. And, and that's just so good. And um, all of this has to do with authority because, believe it or not, when you submit to God's authority, there's actually more room there for creativity than there is outside of his authority. When you submit to his authority, the creativity is actually endless. Outside of it, I don't know what that is anymore. <laughs> I work in the creative industry, okay? And I don't know where that influence comes from sometimes. But sometimes I do see kingdom stuff, and I do see heaven influencing people. It's because God's children are sprinkled in there like salt. Christians should be some of the most creative people. If they're truly submitting to God's authority and the authority that has been placed over them in the natural, they should be some of the most, we should be some of the most creative people on this planet. So I want to tell you a story. So this is from a book um, called Beauty Will Save the World, Rediscovering the Allure and Mystery of Christianity. It's by this guy named Brian Zand, and it's full of uh, actual historical stuff. So let me, um, let me actually read it to you. Uh, a thousand years ago, um, a thousand years ago, or probably now over 2,000 years ago, actually no. It was in 900 A.D., so it was probably like a little over 1,000 years ago. Prince Vladimir the Great, the pagan monarch of Kiev, it's actually Russia, was looking for a new religion to unify the Russian people. Toward the end, Prince Vladimir sent out envoys, he sent out people or teams to investigate the great faiths of the neighboring realms. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, realms are the neighboring countries. So Vladimir sent out these teams to go investigate, much like we have done. We've sent out Belinda's team and Dini's team, with different purpose, of course. But these people went out to investigate the great faiths of the neighboring countries. And when they returned, they gave the prince their report. Some discovered religions that were dour and austere. English 101, dour and austere means very strict, stern, and boring. And another article that I read, um, this is kind of funny. The Russians, the religion they're talking about there is the Jewish culture. And when they encountered Jewish people, they learned that they could not eat pork and they could not drink. So they said, that religion is not for us. Because <laughs> the Russian people love their vodka. So they discovered that religion, and they said it was too strict, too stern. Then other teams encountered faiths that were abstract and theoretical. You know what that means? That means that they had no evidence of their God actually being alive. It was all theory. It was all, you know, fluff, sounded good, but didn't really move the needle. Didn't really do anything for anybody. But the envoys that investigated Christianity in the, in the Byzantine capital of Constantinople, it's in Turkey, reported 
Finding faith characterized by such transcendent beauty that they did not know if they were in heaven or on earth. And this is what they said. This is a quote in English, but it's a quote. Then we went to Constantinople, and they led us to the place where they worshiped their God. And we knew not whether we were in heaven or earth. For on earth there is no such vision, nor beauty, and we do not know how to describe it. We only know that God dwells among men, and we cannot forget this beauty. Yeah, give God glory for that. That place that they walked into, Pal, put up the, the exterior. You may have seen it. I don't know if you've ever seen this place. This, is, uh, this place is called the, um, the Haggai Sophia. It means holy wisdom in Old Greek. This was built by Christians, then kind of taken over by the Crusaders, and then the Ottoman Empire took over it, and it became a mosque for Muslims, and now it's a museum. But look at it. And imagine when it was first built in 900 A.D., they didn't have no cranes, they didn't have no forklifts, they didn't have no glue guns even. The sheer power of man built this, but men that were under the authority of God. And when those guys walked into that place where they said, we didn't know if we were in heaven or on earth, put up the next one, pal, this is what they saw. Now imagine that when it was first built. The Muslims, unfortunately, like kind of painted over some of the stuff, and the Crusaders also burned some of the stuff. But imagine that. And they said that that beauty is what they, uh, is what they went back and reported to the thing. Let me tell you a little bit more of the story. So the, uh, the Prince Vladimir, the Prince Vladimir, um, he, he is like the centurion that I talked about two weeks ago. He tells people, go. And they go. So he didn't go. His team went, right? So they came back and they said, hey, this place is legit. Like, people are getting healed, but we didn't know if we were in heaven or on earth. So he must have been like, yeah, you put the vodka down or you, you know, what happened there? And they must have been like, no, you know, we ran out before we got there. This place is legit, right? And so he says, this will unify my people. And he adopts the Christian faith, and he asks this, uh, this, this empire that he wants to marry one of the princess, uh, princesses. And the priests tell him no, because Christian women don't marry outside of, 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 the, of the faith. And he's like, okay, then I'm going to fully adopt this religion. And so he got baptized, and he sent away his thousands of wives, kicked them out, married the princess, and gave his life to the Lord had a bunch of priests come over and fully gave himself to the gospel. Because people walked into that. Let me finish uh, reading what I have here. Upon receiving the report from Constantinople of the unearthly beauty they had witnessed in Christian worship, Prince Vladimir adopted Christianity as a new faith for the Russian people. What impressed the envoys, listen to this carefully, please. What impressed the envoys or the teams 
and persuaded Prince Vladimir to embrace Christianity was not its apologetics or ethics, but its aesthetics, its beauty. Thus, we might say it was beauty that brought salvation to the Russian people. Not a prayer, not a sign on a piece of two-by-four wood. That saved the Russian people. And I was thinking about this during worship, and man, sometimes we can be so misinformed. We start judging this country because, yeah, they, you know, they kind of lost their way, and they, they went into communism, and they've done a lot of, like, a lot of horrible things have happened there, and then Christians will go as far as saying, like, you know, this is where like something evil is supposed to happen, and from Russia will come evil things. But its roots? They once honored our Father. And from what I know, eternity does not have an expiration date. So I don't care if they're doing A and B and they're not working with the USA and all the political and all that stuff. In the ground, that land is blessed because there once was a prince there that said, this Christian faith will be my people's faith. I, I don't remember who the story is. Um, I don't know if her name is, if it's Ruth, but she loses her, her husband and her mother-in-law tries to leave her and she says, no, your people will be my people. See, when we go into the Lord, we get adopted. And unfortunately, sometimes we're misinformed and end up judging these countries when we should be praying and calling upon the roots to come back. So now let me bring it back to what I was telling you guys about your daily life changing the environment. I'll put the uh, exterior one up. The uh, empire that built this one, um, they were Greek Orthodox. And the emperor that built it, his name was Justinian. He didn't choose an architect to build this. Okay? For those of you saying, I don't do anything creative, you know, how am I supposed to be creative at, at my job? I, don't, I, I write emails. He chose a physicist and a mathematician to build this place, not an architect. A physicist, and a, I could barely even say that word, and a mathematician. <laughs> Two subjects that I failed in college. <laughs> Their name is uh, Isidore of, I'm going to butcher this, Milotis, and Anthemius of Trails. They built the Haggai Sophia. And Haggai Sophia means holy wisdom. So it wasn't your typical creative people that built the very creative, beautiful thing that saved an entire empire. These are thousands of people that, sure, they were forced into Christianity, and we never want to do that. But nonetheless, their authority said, this is, this is now our faith. And when you honor authority, you get authority. So I'm sure, and I'm sure because this is the truth, this is, this is, um, this is life, this is breath. Jesus is our hope, he's our, he's our love, he's, he, he is everything. 
So I know that he honored that man and that those people in that country were blessed. It, it, the Bible says that it rains on the poor, it rains on the rich, it, ra it rains on the wicked, and it rains, on, it rains on the righteous. God's goodness doesn't make exception of people. He doesn't care if you've prayed our fancy little Christian prayer. He will not hesitate to bless you and to love you and to cherish you, to run after you with everything he has. Of course, afterwards, it's important that you enter into a relationship with the Lord. <laughs> but this is all for me about, about living life. And believe it or not, I'm actually almost done. Being intentional. Let's, be, let's live life on purpose. Let's, let's not live life passive. Let's not be like, oh, you know, I'll take care of this thing tomorrow. Why not today? We need the Lord to move today. Tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Let's take care of today. I can say um, that what I value, something that I learned from Jesse and Belen, um, to let you guys know what I value, to maybe make some sort of impression on you guys. Um, this is the sort of thing that I value, that I really like. That the church would find ways to be creative. That we would get outside of our four walls. And that we would live life proactively, on purpose, intentional. Not like taking the back seat, I'll wait for the pastor to do it. No, that I am a royal priesthood. That means your royalty, your nobility, you are an authority figure in society, and priesthood means that you have power. Now, we haven't really talked about power, but come next Sunday, and then you'll know what power is. Or just come to one of our worship services, and you'll know what power is. But this is, this is what really like, gets me going, is that we would step outside of our box, and we would see this world encounter the Creator, He's made us creative. In, I mean, you just got to hunger for this stuff. Like, you just got to, like, Dini said that was such a good word. Because it's in my notes. Um, <laughs> it, it's true. It's, it's like when you're working out, you're like, your body's constantly burning calories. So you're constantly hungry. And when you're in it with the Lord, your soul is constantly like, man, this is good. This is good. This reminds me of something. This is what I was born for. This is what I was created for. Your spirit, man, starts to, you know, rise up. And then pretty soon your flesh is like, hey, man, uh, you haven't prayed in a while. It's time to go pray, bro. And I need some, I need some spiritual love from the Lord. And pretty soon you're, you're, you are a triune being, right? You're a spirit man. You have a soul and you, you have a physical body. And pretty soon your whole self is just like, I need more of God. And you find ways to apply wisdom into what you do. Wisdom is integrity, which is having good character, which means that who you are in public is who you are in private. It's very easy. Excellence, meaning that you do things with, with like intentionality and on purpose and with the best that you can do. And the, the third thing that wisdom is is creativity because he's our creator, so we're creative. And then you add all those things up and it's wisdom. 
so that when people encounter your work, they actually encounter God. And they say, I don't know if I was on earth or if I was on heaven, but I know that that person has a living God. This is like what really gets me going. You know, right now that we're like in like a transitional phase that we're moving and, and we're sending out our two teams to look for the city and to look for the property and to find ways to serve the city and all that. I think, man, the way we set up our worship team, the way we set up our instruments, the way we set up our, our TVs, our lights, the way we set up the entrance to the building, the way you welcome people, the way that you hug people, greet people, the way that you pray, excuse me, the way that you close the service, the way that you serve with the kids, you know, the way that you clean up the bathroom, all of that can testify that there is a living God. And people can come in and not hear a drop of a preaching and know that there is a God. That's the role that we all get to play. And it happens because we submit to his authority. And then there's so much creativity there and it flourishes. And you may still not believe me. I'm at the end. And you may still not believe me. You might say, no, you know, I... You know, just, I just send emails all day at work. And how is that going to testify about God? Well, there was a king named Solomon. And God asked him, what do you want? And he said, I want wisdom. He actually said, I want a hearing heart, Lord. And he was visited by the nations. He was visited by kings and queens and princesses and, 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 and lords and, and, and emperors to hear him speak. But on one particular time, Queen Sheba came. And she asked him so many questions, and he answered them. But then she walked in to his dining room and saw the way that he set up the table and how he set up the servants. And it says that that took her breath away. She saw the stairs, stairs that were built from Solomon's house, to the Lord's house, and she had no breath or no spirit left in her. It's just stairs. <laughs> it's just a dining room table set up. Or is it more? It's just homework. It's just a presentation at school. It's just a presentation at work. Uh, it's just motherhood. It's just fill in the blank, whatever you do at work. Or is it more? Are you guys getting me? When the Bible says that Queen Sheba had no breath left in her, no spirit in her, you know what that is? That's surrender. So when people encounter your work and there's no more breath left in them, that means that they've fully surrendered to God and said, okay, this thing is real, this thing is legit. And they'll go back and they'll tell their family, what they experienced when they encountered you. They'll experience Jesus. But here's the key. Are you under his authority? I hope you guys got that. I really do. I just want to read you guys this quote, uh, if you can get up on your feet. I want to read you this quote again, because at least I want you to walk away with, with knowing this. You are a creative human being in Jesus. And you can change the atmosphere wherever you go. 
The team said, Then we went to Constantinople, and they led us to the place where they worshiped their God. And we knew not whether we were in heaven or earth, for on earth there is no such vision nor beauty, and we do not know how to describe it. We only know that God dwells among men. We cannot forget that beauty. And I wrote this, the church of Christ, and we need to be the church of Christ under his authority, needs to return to its rightful place of authority in this world. And it needs to be beautiful. So we need your creativity. We need your service. We need your, you being intentional. We need you thinking. You know, when God says, when God says, you know, my thoughts are not your thoughts and my plans are not your plans, that's not a, that's not a, a, a hey, you know, shut up and don't think and don't dream or, or don't imagine. That's a, hey, come higher. That's an invitation to say, hey, come higher. Come up higher, son. Come up higher, daughter, in your thinking. In the way you live, come up higher because there's actually a greater quality of life for you. You can have greater output of creativity. Just come higher. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We pray that you are filled and encouraged by today's message. For more information about Grace and Love, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Love Church. Make sure you check us out again next week. Thanks again, and God bless you.